Blog Talk Radio. He was up each morning with the dawn because he knew his daily run was long and hard and he had to be ready to get his freight train down the track determination he would never lack the little locomotive called Freight Train Freddy. Hi everyone, welcome to Getting on Top. I'm your host Paul Morris, and we're here Wednesdays from 4 to 4:30 p.m. That's East Coast time, broadcasting from the Southern Hudson Valley region of New York State, which for you out of town is it's just the northern suburbs of New York City, my hometown. And if someone would like to call in with a question or a comment for me and my guest, call in number is one three four seven two one five nine four five six. And uh, that little ditty was Freight Train Freddy. Uh, it's a, a book of rhyming children's story that I wrote. And the, uh, Peter Tazone sang and wrote that song. He's also the illustrator of the book. If someone would like to know more about it, go to FTF. That's FTF as in Freight Train Freddy, creations.com. Uh, you can get the uh, e-version for two ninety nine. See the beautiful pictures that Peter drew and also read some of the rhyming verse that I wrote. And uh, also today I want to mention Upper Cervical Chiropractic of New York, established in 2002 in White Plains, New York, UCCNY. has become a standard of excellence in the profession that attracts patients from all over the world, including famous celebrities and pro athletes. Check them out at ucc-ny.com. And I'm very very pleased today to have with us Nick Jankel, and uh, uh, Nick uh, recently published a book called Switch On, and uh, Nick is a Cambridge-educated wisdom teacher, practical philosopher, social change champion, and author of the new book, Switch On, Unleash Your Creativity and Thrive. He is a, a world-renowned innovation leadership expert that the Sunday Times called a glam spiritual activist. You can find out more about Nick at nickjankel.com. That's N-I-C-K-J-A-N-K-E-L.com. Welcome to the show, Nick. How are you? Thank you. Yes, and for you listeners, Nick is calling in from across the pond, as they say, in London there. <laughs> and uh, so... Uh, I know you've been to the States recently on a uh, business trip, so you get around. I do, I do. My, I, I lived in the U.S. for a bit, so I'm very... Um, oh, you did? I feel very comfortable in the U.S., yeah. So I I went through this uh, your new book, and it, it covers a lot of ground, and uh, it's uh, definitely uh, very motivational. And uh, you want to, I guess, get people to overcome their difficulties and move on with their life and do the things they thought perhaps they couldn't do. So what got you into this area of, uh, of, of work? Well, I was always um, interested in, in the mind. I was um, born into a family where my father was a, 
behavioral psychologist and uh, social worker. My mum also trained in social work and, and then psychotherapy. So I kind of grew up with this stuff in the, in the air. I wanted to be a psychiatrist, so that's why I went to study medicine. And then I sort of fell out of it for about 10 years. I um, spent time in, um, in advertising and, and, and management uh, consulting innovation. Um, but I hadn't really brought it all together, so I got back into it around uh, 10 years ago. Um, I had a couple of sort of spectacular breakdowns, one really big one, and through that experience of really understanding what it, what it was and what, it was, um, what the opportunity was in it, I uh, realized I wanted to recommit my, my life to um, psychological and spiritual uh, transformation. Well, I think there's nothing like being at the bottom to understand how to get to the top. I mean, uh, you know, we've all gone through our, you know, our times uh, in a dark place. At least, at least a lot of people have, and and by fighting our way back, you know, we learn a lot. Uh, experience, as they say, is the best teacher. Um, you know, it, it may sound like a hackneyed expression, but but it, there's a great deal of truth in it. And uh, you know, to share our experiences with others. So so you got yeah, and also I think being in the business world is is great training for uh, for understanding human behavior. And I, I work a lot with. Uh, uh, the people who do social work and you know psychotherapists, you know I do I do some healing work myself, but I started as a very left brain uh, engineer and pro- computer programmer and a, and a business person, but I think I brought that, and I and it sounds like you did too, brought that kind of logical uh, thinking to an a- another area where I think. You know, you could really nail things down and know what's right and what isn't, what makes sense. Was that mm-hmm. helpful for you? Oh, incredibly. I mean, first of all, I mean, in many different ways. I mean, one of them is, is uh, I guess, having to be creative and get stuff done and, and do it really well each time and, and deliver excellence. I mean, it's one thing that certainly advertising was very good training for, was delivering excellence every time. But the other thing I think also is really becoming what people in the business call customer-focused or consumer-focused and really developing our projects, whether it's a book or, or a radio show or whatever, really around what people really want and, and what they feel, feel. And that's a great training for writing a book because there are a lot of books written that don't start with that process. Mm-hmm. Um, they sort of author out and... Um, in my work, I, I try and sort of be meet somewhere between what I want to write and what I think people uh, want to read, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you yeah, said I something would, very yeah. important. I'm sorry. I, no, I was going to say I would I wouldn't change it for anything. That that background, that that training, that. Well, I that you know I think that's so important. I think that's so important. You know, uh, I I took some of the. Um, uh, Tony Robbins training, you know, back in uh, maybe 20 or so years ago. I did the fire walk and all that. And, you know, I got from that the philosophy that the only way you really fail in life is to give up. 
you know. And I think that's such an important thing to learn, you know, and and those little breakdowns. And, you know, just because your course starts out, you think, you know, you don't know perhaps where you're going exactly or you think you want to go this way, but your course starts out a little here and there. You never know. It may wind up. The, these things you do, as as you're as you're explaining, you know, in the in the beginning, may not sound like the thing you're doing now, but somehow the course there's a there's a purpose for that course. There's something you learn that you may need and can use very well going forward. So people who think, well, I wasted five years doing this, and and so on and so forth, but I really want to do that. It's not wasted, you know. You you always can Definitely. use those experiences. In fact, they're they're priceless at, at times, and uh, and you're much better off, oftentimes, because you have a varied experience. You can bring that different kind of thinking to uh, what you're doing. So, Definitely. what inspired you to write the book? What? Uh... Um, God, that's a, I don't actually know. I just I guess it was a. Uh, um something I had to do. It wasn't like a, I didn't sit there going, hmm, should I write a book? I just like started started writing. It was like, well, now I've got something to say, I've got to get it out there. Um, I mean, there's, the, this particular book, I, I, I was inspired. What I wanted to do, I wanted to write a book that, A, was a book that I would have read when I was 20 or 25 or 30. Um, so I wanted it not to be a kind of new age book. I wanted it to be a kind of uh, ideas book, a thinking book, a, a book people can read without having to be part of a certain tribe. And um, sort of linked to that, I also wanted to really integrate the best we know of the science of human experience and integrate it with spirituality and psychology so that um, it felt rigorous. So it took me seven years to write because it's a very rigorous book. Wow. Although it doesn't actually look like that when people read it. Hopefully, it doesn't look too, too rigorous. But it, I, I really, you know, I've got a. I, I wanted to live up to my own standards of what truly integrated thinking and and rigorous thinking is. So that that's probably one of the inspirations. And, and actually, since it's been published, I've had a lot of people email me, who I don't think would ever read a classic mind body spirit book saying they've been crying it's made a massive difference yeah you know, that, that kind of thing which is exactly oh. what i wanted was people who d- wouldn't usually oh. buy this kind of book could read it and and not let their cynical rational mind sort of reject it because it was rigorous uh, mm-hmm. and i believe spirituality can be just as rigorous as science just a different form of investigation but i i think you made a really good point it takes a long time to make something simple <laughs> if you will absolutely it's not easy to make it's it's exactly. it's it's easy to make something that's complex than to make something simple, and so you know, uh, polish and polish. Yeah, exactly. So that's great. I mean, they say writing is rewriting. You know, it's yes. Just, I, I rewrote it. I wrote I wrote I wrote it three totally different times, like absolutely structurally different. But then I edited it maybe thirty, forty times. You know, to get yeah. it to yeah. where it is. Yeah, people don't realize it takes a lot. You know, someone says, "Well, write a book," and like. Uh, yeah, right. You make it sound so simple. It's not. It's part of you. Uh, I, I I actually wrote a novel about twenty years ago, and it takes right. like part of your soul. You know, I mean, you're, oh you're leaving God, something yeah. there. You know, there's oh, something. That, 
left on the table when you walk away. Uh, whether it's a great book or not, it's just. Oh, uh, agree so let's get to, let's get to the book. You said something very, uh, I think, very important uh, when we were chatting off air, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. Something to the effect is one truth, but many roads to Rome, so to speak. In mm. other words, you know, there are many ways to get at that truth, but but the thread, you know, when you when you see when you read things and hear things and so on and know things and they all uh, you know strike a chord there's usually a thread that runs through them all you know something that that's you know that's there that's truthful about all of them they may be expressed a little differently but Definitely. you know there's a, there's a thread of truth that runs through it all and i think that's really important uh, for people to understand so you know, there's a it, well, one thing that struck me about the uh, book. In going through it, you start out with uh, saying that you know, in the in the first you call it sessions, set of chapters, uh, switch on to problems. Well, most people would be turned off by problems. So, how does <laughs> you know? How do you explain that? <laughs> well, that, for me, and, you know. a problem is um, a signal. Oh, no, it's not. This is not the truth. This is my perception, which I find useful and empowering. Um, I see a problem as well. One way of seeing a problem is a signal that some part of us isn't at our full potential. Otherwise, we'd be able to breeze through the problem, because you could guarantee that you can find one human being out of the seven billion who wouldn't find this particular situation a problem. So mm-hmm. given that, uh, mm-hmm. there must be something about this problem which is, is, is connected to us and where we're at in our life, and mm-hmm. that, therefore, we can either fight the problem or we can say, ah, there's something in this for me, even if it looks at first glance awful, um, it's the beginnings of the process of breakthrough. If you don't have a problem, you have nothing to break through. If you don't mm-hmm. have a problem, you have nothing, there's no material to work on. And I, so I look at, look at a problem as kind of like the clay that a sculptor uses to sculpt something, the human experience mm-hmm. that a problem is the raw material. Mm-hmm. It's something like Edison would say, a problem is just an opportunity to, exactly. to whatever, you exactly. know, make money or create something that's, uh, exactly. you know, that's useful. So, exactly. yeah, it's reframing, I guess, is what you, would, you might call it. And, uh, yeah, that's that's fantastic. That's good. Turn it around, you know. Turn it around, and you know, I, I, the thing is, it's a, it's a great way to start because a lot of people, you know, shut down. They see something and they, they just kind of think it's the end, and they don't, you know, go through it. They 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 let it defeat them. I think that's the worst thing people could Absolutely. do is be defeated by something that, you know. I think I, you know, I I I take a spiritual approach, to, and I know it seems like you do as well in the book that. We're given things, they say, we're given things we can handle, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. Each individual is given his or her lot of pro- problems that they could probably handle, and, and other ones Absolutely. are given to other individuals that somehow they, you know, have the you know, ability to deal with, even if you don't know it. I mean, when I when I wrote that book 25 years ago, I, I, I never, you know, I, read, I wrote a novel. I never thought I could write anything. I was the worst English student in the world. I, 
I barely <laughs> passed high school English. And I was so afraid, I wouldn't even go to a writing course. That's how insecure I was about it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I swear, yeah. until I had, no, write, I, I, until I I had the, the book written, experience. then I had the courage to go to a writing class because I felt, well, yeah. now I could say, well, I'm here because, hey, look, I wrote something, you know. You know, I, I, that's how bad I felt, uh, you know, how insecure I felt about it. I feel like different now, but, but you know, you don't know what's inside of you until you push a little. Absolutely. Don't you agree? I mean, I think this is absolutely. probably the, the absolute the essence of what you're saying here. Yeah. So switch on to pain. Here's another uh, irony. How do you do that? Absolutely. I mean, that's it's all part of the same understanding that if if problems are an opportunity to grow then yeah. the way to do that is to find why that what's stuck in us the thing that finds it a problem which i would call right. pain so some kind of disappointment in the past some kind of fear some kind of worry um some kind of letdown something that didn't work which you've remembered because otherwise you know I, you watch a three-year-old they don't really see the world in problems they see just stuff going on and right. they try stuff right. and carry on and so for us a problem is only a problem because somewhere within us we have pain that we are scared that we're going to experience by this thing whether it's something as intense as death or something as seemingly mundane as um uh you know losing our uh christmas bonus one year you know something some you know things that that, that may not be scary for other people there's something in us so right. the only choice we have then is if we want to be free of the problems we have to become free of the pain and that's why ultimately my book is a book about um spiritual awakening because it's only, i believe um, after 20 years of not wanting to be in, in, inter, interested in spirituality I was, a, I was a devout atheist and um to really understand pain to really heal pain there's no choice but to accept our interconnectedness and to surrender to it, and that's the the tough the tough lesson of of of, of life is uh, you know is is that ultimate truth. Do you mind if you told me uh, that you had a dark period? Do you mind if I ask you something about that? Sure, I, I had many. <laughs> Which one? Oh, oh my, my many. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, what was the breakthrough for you? I guess is the question. You know. Uh, well, I'm what, a, I what was the problem, and how did you break through it? I guess is, is it the main, the, my my last ever big dark period, which was ten years ago. Touch wood, haven't had one since because I've been following my own uh, process, eating my own uh, caviar, uh, as they say. Um, is I had a breakdown, like a full burnout, entrepreneurial burnout. But the entrepreneurial burnout, I now realize in hindsight, was actually um, when I delved into it. It wasn't so much about stress and tiredness and whatever. Though there was that. That was the kind of trigger. The real issue was that I experienced what I can only describe as a profound heartbreak, realizing that I'd created a business around um, a a way of being that, for me, wasn't my life's purpose, wasn't my soul's purpose, if you want to talk about it in that way. And I realized mm -hmm. I had to, I had to, 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 to shift it. 
and I had no other choice. And so that was the breakthrough. The breakthrough was I found my purpose and have been living it ever since. And everything that's come from that, my book and work and projects all come from that space. The downside was, um, well, it wasn't really a downside, but at the time the downside was I was burnt out and let go of an extremely successful creative agency, lots of staff, and being a multimillionaire on paper. Wow. So that was the, the, wow. the, the exchange. So, um, so what was it? That, what was it that gave you that darkness? I mean, I I had suffered, you know, in my life depression. My father had it very badly. So, uh, you know, I, you know, later on in life, um, uh, it, it, it affected me more, and I had some dark moments until I, mm. you know, learned how to overcome it and, and cure it. But, but uh, what 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 was, what thought? you know, made you feel that bad? What was it? Did we always the have ultimate, something we think that's, that makes us feel terrible. What, what, what was that for you? The ultimate wound, you mean, like the deepest wound? Yeah, what, like I'm a failure or, you know, I, you know, oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, I mean. You know, yeah, like what was it that, but, you know, that hit you that really got you? My ultimate wound was um, I'm not worthy of love. Flash! Oh, wow. I'm something probably wrong with me. Something I'm, I think I might even be a bit evil. Like actually, really bad. Like I'm a bad person. Um, my, my parents divorced when I was two. Um, you know, I didn't see my dad, and then I didn't see him at all for a while. I think I internalized that as something wrong with me. Then I became oh. very overweight as a child, so I was teased all day, every day by. Kids and teachers, and didn't have any girlfriends for my whole teenage years. So, so I then became. I sort of manifested that that there's something wrong with me. I actually became the sort of laughing stock of of the school, um, which was obviously great evidence that there was actually something wrong with me. You know, so that that was my that was the, the what was it, what we call it this cross I bore uh, as a child. Mm-hmm. 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 And so, do you uh, think that? That something, this thing that happened in business, reaffirm that thought to you. Is that what happened? My my burnout. Yeah. I mean, I guess my burnout was the was the beginning of the healing. Really, it was the beginning right. of my spirit. What I call in the book the my connector, the connector, the in my inner shaman. It was the beginning mm-hmm. of my inner shaman starting to heal me, and saying, "You don't need this stuff. You don't need these patterns. You don't need this kind of career." Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've got a job for you, but to get to that job, you need to heal yourself first. And I and I, there's a, and I remember thinking, I am never going to be in this situation again. I am going to understand my psychology and my spirituality to, to a point where I will never be on the floor like this again. And uh, so far, so far, so good. Well, you're on the right path. It, it, it seems to me uh, that this... You know, this million-dollar business you had was a way of proving something to yourself, but exactly. maybe it really wasn't you or who you were. You know, Absolutely. but you needed, you thought you needed it to overcome. Uh, that's how it sounds. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, well, actually, remember now. What I remember is I wasn't even thinking about the business when I started it. I was 24. I just wanted to have explore and have fun. Mm-hmm. Then we mm-hmm. almost went bankrupt in the 2001. Explosion. Oh yeah, and right. that's when I got serious and was like, "God, I'm going to make this work." And you know, became a terrible boss. 
And so part of my misery was the fact that I was also not not a very good leader. I mean, it wasn't mm. enjoyed by my team, uh, which then kind of triggering that pain of not being a good person, not being liked, not being accepted. Wow. Wow. So it was, all, it was a kind of crazy time. It was amazing. I learned so much. We did amazing work. Um, but, and, you know, the, the opening came. Wow. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, you you made the sacrifice to help everyone else. Everyone else, it's like the Christ story. You know, <laughs> you, know you sacrifice all yourself teachers, to all teachers come around. Have that. All all people in this in this field. I don't know anyone who's really got something valuable to say that hasn't been has hasn't had to go through their own uh, baptism. Right. Um, that's, otherwise, what have you got to teach? You know, if you're a wisdom teacher, what? How do you get your wisdom? Um, yes. You know, what is the wisdom from? Where does it come yeah. from? Right. So, that's interesting. So, uh, getting back to the book uh, for a moment here, um, you, you talk about presence here. Mm. What, what do you mean by it? I mean, people can interpret that a number of ways. Switch on to presence. What do you... What I'm do you... laughing because my uh, editor, well, the third editor who worked on the book, was a very uh, English, um, rational thinker. And he kept right. saying, you can't use the word presence in the way you're using it. Uh, as a thing, I was like, "But that's exactly how it's we and use now. it now in this space is as a as a thing. You have you are connecting two presence, presence right. meaning um, your the imminence of of the universe. Um, so you can connect to the transcendence of the universe, um, and you can connect to the imminence. And when you connect to the imminence, you suddenly realize you are the universe. You are love. You are spirit. You are Oneness, and from that comes intuition, embodied wisdom, all these wonderful things come from that presence. But first you have to acknowledge the presence, or, yeah. or allow, you know, I don't want to get too, my metaphors, I try and keep them away from religious metaphors, but it's, you know, at some point you have to acknowledge this, this that you are, you are it, you know, I am right. that, you are, you are this, and right. I call that presence as a, as a catch-all for that experience yeah well it's 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 part of being in the present moment you're you're in the flow exactly. it's a flow thing exactly. and when and when you're there you're, you're tuned in it's like tuning into a radio station so to speak or a television Absolutely. station you're in there and everything flows through you get all the wisdom and you give and you take <laughs> and you connect all the love and uh, the you know that's that's it. It's it's it, and, you know I think people have to identify it. People have to accept it. Everybody experiences yeah. it in their life, but they they let it go by. You know. Oh, totally. It just it well, goes by them, and they don't know what, what went by, what what they missed. Yeah. We, we don't get taught what it is at school. We don't get taught how to understand right. it and feel it right. and sense it. Right. We just feel it because everyone feels it. It right. makes sense. And then we have to actually work out. You know what? What does this mean for me? And, and that's one of the reasons why I've started um, this. Uh, I started a wisdom and well-being website and, and sort of community platform online, to particularly to help um, sort of millennials and uh, people of my generation to to understand that this is a path. There's a path yeah. here because no one ever gave me a path. There was no one to turn to. Right. There was no mentor. Right. Power of now right. wasn't out you know there wasn't any of this stuff it was it was either you were new age or right. you were right. you know not and i didn't feel new i didn't connect with the new age metaphors i couldn't connect with it right. but that doesn't mean i 
you know, New Age doesn't have a privilege on everything mystical. Their mysticism is, is timeless. And I wanted to, you know, I, I want to help other people find that because it's, it's the, the thing. It's, it, you know, as I say <laughs> to people, to young people, I left Cambridge when I'm, with one of the best degrees you can have in the world, and I had no idea how to thrive. No idea. No one had ever <laughs> taught me a, a single class on that. So uh, I could go a little longer in the show. I don't know what your time schedule is. Do you have an extra yeah, 10 minutes? Yeah. I'm sorry? Yeah, definitely. You can. Okay. Yeah, I, I have yeah. a little uh, a little to go. But uh, it's it's going to uh, go, lose the live feed, but they'll have the, uh, they'll have the recording. Uh, so I just want to identify uh, to everyone you're listening to Getting on Top on Blog Talk Radio. We have Wednesdays from 4 to 4.30 p.m. That's uh, East Coast time. And we're talking to Nick Jankel. Uh, and we're talking about his life and his book, Switch On. So let me ask you, uh, uh, Nick, I uh, also want to tell people if they want to know more about Nick, go to nickjankel.com. Now, I saw this picture, one of the pictures I put up and, uh, and sent out, in, the, in my announcement, uh, you're standing in front of 10 Downing Street. And for everyone who doesn't live in a cave, they know that uh, that's the prime minister's residence, the head of state of the uh, of Britain. So, uh, you know, what what does the uh, the head of state, you know, ha- what kind of things do, do they need, you know, do they uh, have you help them with, if you will? Well, I was uh, invited to. Um, well, before I answer that, so in the it, so I run these two companies. One is um, a company for young people, well, not for young people, but people interested in wisdom and well-being, a media company. And then my uh, other business is an, what I would call an ethical and sustainable um, management consultancy. So I work with organisations like Oxfam and WWF and governments, and occasionally conscious businesses that that want to do good things to use all that innovation tool kit that I've developed um, to create solutions to big problems. So I was being invited in to talk to all the heads of the different departments and ministries in the government about how to bring an understanding of, of collaboration and networks into policy development um, and bring innovation into policy, bring sort of quality and uh, new forms of power. So, you know, realizing that a few people in Whitehall or in uh, Washington, D.C. don't have the, uh, all the answers anymore. The world's too complex. Um, ecosystems are too, too interconnected. And how do you bring in citizens into uh, the development of, of, of government thinking? That's what I was talking about. But I, I was very proud of myself. I use the word conscious leadership um, uh, to, to all these people um, so that I wasn't I, – I, I'm, I'm on a process of slowly coming more and more out of the closet uh, as a spiritually informed thinker and uh, without, you know, getting too open kimono and scaring off everyone. So I'm, I'm trying to balance that. Um, I, I understand. Stopping in these ideas slowly. <laughs> No, I, I I I hear you very loud and clear. When I first, you know, I came from a very, uh, you know a, a very technical business background. I, you know, I was a computer 
technical guy, and then I sold computer technology, and and I had a corporate training business, you know, uh, Fortune 500 people, you know, businesses that I sold to, and uh, and then I became, you know, a healer, and I was embarrassed to tell my friends, <laughs> and relatives, what I, you know, what I was doing, and you know, it was strange. We'd have these meetings in the group. Of healers, and they 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 all recognize that problem, and they say, "Come out of your shell, you know. Don't be yeah. afraid to be who you know to tell people what you're doing, who you are." So, so I can understand. I, yeah, it feels a little weird, a little strange. Absolutely, but it is. You know, spirituality is a lot written about spirituality versus religion, and I understand that. Um, you know, uh, like yourself, I consider myself a. a, a Spiritual person, not yeah. necessarily one that you know conforms to a, a particular uh, religion. Uh, but you know, I, I think I think we all come from the same place. <laughs> We're all yeah. God's children, and it shouldn't make any difference. And that's my uh, my thought about it. So, hmm. just just to get back to the book a little here. Um, Switch on to peace. Now everyone wants peace. Why do you have to switch on to it? Isn't it just kind of there? <laughs> um, so I, I talk about peace. You know, as exactly. Everyone wants peace. It's one of the universal, universal sure. desires of every human being is to have moments of harmony and tranquility. Um, but we get in the way of that. We we get in the way of ourselves, and we have all these stresses and issues that, that stop us feeling peace. But, uh, you know, as I, I think I write somewhere in the book something like, peace is not a reward for good behavior. Peace is the natural state of a human being when they let go and mm-hmm. surrender. And mm-hmm. so that's why you have to switch on to it, because it's, it's, you have to sort of choose it, ultimately. And then, so I, for me, it's part of it, me switching on is choosing a certain way of looking at life. It's a, it's a life philosophy of, of not just being a passive um, you know, a passive uh, victim of other people's issues and the world's issues, but actually saying, you know, if I want peace, I have to find peace within me. It's not somewhere outside. You have to find it. I've got to, I've got to go in and, uh, and get some of that, which, you know. Yeah, I think I when you were talking about children before, uh, you know, children are naturally uh, fearless, and uh, they're taught away from it. And I have yeah. grandchildren, and my granddaughter, when she was three, was on the internet. She couldn't read, <laughs> but she Absolutely. could she she could surf the internet like nobody's business. It's mind because she had no fear, you know, and it's mind boggling. Couldn't even read, but you know, and 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 people of my age, or you know, of uh, particularly, uh, you know, just are so afraid to even go near it. You know, and yeah. we're taught this fear, and we have to unteach it. And the same what I think with what you're saying, peace and love, it's a natural thing, and we're somehow taught away from it. And we have to yeah. come back again. Uh, now we talk about, you talk about uh, uh, power. Now mm-hmm. that could be an explosive topic. <laughs> you know, people, right? I mean, yeah. Power is okay if you use it. In the, you know, we need power to exactly. run our lives. But... Uh, could be a bad thing. So, so what is it yeah, about power? We can't make anything happen. Um, but it's, this is not power over. Um, this is power to. It's a different type of power. It's, mm-hmm. it's power that 
that like, comes from like a kind of nuclear reactor of conscious, awakened, enlightened being inside us, where we no longer feel stopped by what one might call earthly issues because we have the light of love in us. And that is the power that I'm interested in, you know, the power to create uh, projects and, and families and love affairs that are beautiful, um, truthful, and, and um, you know, uh, uh, focus on the greater good. Hmm. Well, from power you go to play. Now, that's interesting. And uh, so how does, uh, how does the play figure into, uh, into uh, you know, getting past your problems and overcoming the obstacles? Is, is, is about sort of the, being able to take on big projects. So part of this book is about saying, okay, once you heal yourself, then you'll be able to take on great projects, whether that's starting a new charity or working with your family to heal Thanksgiving rifts, whatever, you know. And, and then you'll need power to turn this project into reality because you need to be in the world doing stuff every day, committing. Um, but if you get too attached to the outcome, um, mm -hmm. uh, the, fruits, the fruits of our labor, um, as the Bhagavad Gita, the, the, the Indian classic says, if you get too attached to that fruit, we stop being playful, we stop being curious, we stop experimenting, and we become really serious and really attached mm -hmm. and really shut down and then we can't do anything because everything's such hard work and so mm. what people call efforting and so play is about learning how do I stay playful and part of that's emotional and part of that's um, mindset and part of that's physical in terms of looking after ourselves and, and giving ourselves time to rejuvenate um, and uh, there's a lot of work coming out of athletics now which the best, the best athletes are those that design in as much recuperation time as they do training so they're actually mm -hmm. sleeping and relaxing and all that kind of thing so I, i'm a big believer in you know siestas and taking days off work and mm -hmm. um making sure we can stay playful because as soon as we become we lose our playfulness we lose our access mm -hmm. to our full creativity and mm -hmm. uh, we get grippy graspy too serious <laughs> exactly. well it's interesting in this in this corporate training business I had with using accelerated learning, play was the key. The key to all learning. And then exactly. and you know people enjoyed it and and the outcome, the byproduct of the play was learning. And it, the learning came naturally without any effort because exactly. you know they were they were having fun and uh you you forget your learning. <laughs> God forbid Absolutely. That's what I, you know, I, I watch my kids, I've got a six year old and a three year old. Oh and wow. they don't they're not they're not being educated. They're just learning. They're playing, and we play. Yeah. We play with everything. And as soon as I stop playing and become serious, they get turned off, and they don't really want to be involved. And so the only way I can keep them involved in anything is to find more ways to make it things playful. And then they can do anything with me. You know, they'll play. They'll do any kind of work as long as I can turn it into a game. So the last part is uh, proactivity. That's the last session here. So how to, how to, you know, tie it all together for us. <laughs> well, this was a really controversial will. with my publisher. Um, uh -huh. One of my stated aims in my life um, and my goals and my vision is to connect spiritual enlightenment, spiritual awakening with social transformation, social justice, social change. Uh -huh. And I believe it's 
what we need to do. My generation has given them the task to do this. And so proactivity is saying, okay, you've gone through this journey, you've taken a problem, any problem, and you've broken through it, and you've discovered a way to find peace and, and some purpose and, and a project, and, and you've been playful around it. Now what? And the invitation at the end of the book is to get proactive uh, in two ways. First of all, rather than wait for a problem to come and slap you on the face and knock you down and suddenly you're depressed or you know, you're in bed with a backache or whatever, first of all, come proactive at seeking out the areas where you know you've got growth uh, to do. Uh, and we all know what those are. You know? So that's, mm-hmm. that's one level of proactivity. But, um, because once we realize that no problem is so great that we can't enjoy the process of breaking through it, it doesn't matter how many problems we take on. We don't, we're not, we don't avoid them anymore. We can embrace them. And then the second part of proactivity is to say, okay, now you know, you're not, no longer in survival mode for your own life, shut down and, and freaky, freaking out and stressed out and anxious and whatever. And I had all that stuff myself, panic attacks and whatever. Now that you're not in that place, you've got spare energy, spare capacity, spare creativity to set about shifting the world that you live in and whether that's means the organization you're in, the family you're in, your flatmates, your roommates, or at the social environmental level. But, you know, there's, no, there's no right place to be, but just to in- invite people to say, listen, you, know, you can use these tools to, to create uh, breakthroughs in any area of human endeavor. Well, we're just about out of time, so uh, I need to wrap it up. Thank you very much, Nick Jankel. Uh, all the way from London for uh, calling in and sharing uh, your information and your book with uh, my audience. The the book is called Switch On, Unleash Your Creativity and Thrive by Nick Jankel, and you can check it out at www.nickjankel.com. Thanks for being my guest. Perhaps we could talk some, some other time off the air even. That would be nice. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, You're listening to Getting on Top. I'm your host, Paul Morris, and we're here uh, on Blog Talk Radio Wednesday from 4 to 4.30 p.m. East Coast time. And if anyone would like to find out more about what I do, you can uh, go to my website, conqueringdepressionforlife.com. That's conqueringdepressionforlife.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Nick, and thanks, everyone. Have a nice day. Bye. He was up each morning with the dawn Because he knew his daily run was long and hard And he had to be ready To get his freight train down the track Determination he would never lack The little locomotive called Freight Train Freddy Everybody was his friend And they all helped him to the end To keep those freight cars rolling along steady He never knew what to expect And was very careful not to wreck 
The little locomotive called Freight Train Freddy. The little locomotive called Freight Train Freddy. 